the reason I wanted to um, to have you all share that story, um, I'm going to change things up a little bit, but uh, he, he said God is faithful. You're good. You can have a seat. You've been staying for a long time. God is faithful. God is good. And, and, and God, you know, even though like life takes turns, lefts and rights and all of that stuff and, and stuff that we didn't expect, um, God is good and God is, is holding on to us and God is leading and guiding through the power of his spirit. And I think so often we get focused on, on what we see, the physical um, and, and the natural. And what is even so much more real is the, the spiritual. And, and what, we were, what we were being brought into this morning is the, the throne room of God and there's worship happening right now around the throne. Uh, nonstop worship. And we also have to remember that, that you know, that's going on, but we're part of a physical world, but, but more importantly, we're part of a spiritual world. And there's a spiritual battle. And our, our battle isn't against flesh and blood, against the, it's against the principalities and powers of this dark world. And so like this last year, we could be focused on, on what is going on in the natural, but there's so much more going on in the, the supernatural, in the spiritual. One of my favorite stories is in 2 Kings uh, chapter 6, and uh, you might remember it. And it's uh, Israel was at war with Syria, and they were going back and forth, and uh, the, the king of Syria was getting a little upset. Because every time he would make a move, the Israelites knew what he was doing. And so he got upset. And he's like, why do, do, do they know what's happening? Like, what's going on? And some of his guys got, uh, got together with him and said, you know what? There is someone in Israel named Elisha who's a prophet. And the Lord tells them all that's going on. And so the king of Syria gets so upset, he sends his army to Elisha's house. And one morning, Elisha's servant comes out, and he sees, and he's got his cup of coffee in the newspaper or whatever, and he, and, and he opens up the door, and there is a full army around him. And he is, he's freaked out because he's seen in the natural. And this is what it says um, in 2 Kings six fifteen: When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. I mean, what would be your reaction in that moment? Like you wake up and that's, hey, good morning to you. Like that's, that's what your day has before you. And then it says this, and it said, and the servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? I would have said a little bit more than that. He said, do not be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. I mean, that is absolutely amazing. I mean, so often we see like, okay, what is in the, in the physical, in the natural? And my prayer is that we're in 2020, as we're going through our lives, that we wouldn't just see what is in the natural, but that we would see what's in the supernatural. That there is an army, an army of the Lord surrounding us, an army of God that is, is not against us, but is for us. We have one who's up in heaven who we can pour out our heart to because we have a relationship with the God of the universe through his son, Jesus. And this morning, as we like the last week, we talked about hope and I want to talk about hope a little bit uh, this morning. That's where we have to get our minds. And so often we can go through life and and be focused on what isn't happening instead of focused on what is happening and what is in the supernatural. And so flip over to first Peter because first Peter is, is talking to a group of believers and a group of believers that were suffering, that were struggling, that were uh, being persecuted, stuff was going to get worse and worse and worse. 
And he's writing to them a letter of hope. And he says this in 1 Peter 13. He says, therefore, prepare your minds for action and be sober minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but he was made manifest in the last time for the sake of of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. I just think it's interesting. He starts off by saying, therefore, based on, uh, on what has happened, therefore, because of, uh, of, the, uh, of what he had just shared about the hope being in Jesus Christ. And, and when it comes to hope, hope isn't a feeling. Hope isn't like some emotion. Hope is a, a person and his name is Jesus. It says in, in 1 Peter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, hope, hope is what the angels sang about that first Christmas. Hope is what the shepherds worshipped that first Christmas. Hope is, is what caused Mary to ponder in her, her heart. Hope is, is not just a feeling. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. And so all throughout scripture, we see to hold fast to hope, to be steadfast in hope. And I love how the writer of Hebrews said, he said, says, you know, we have a sure and steadfast anchor for our soul. And that's Jesus. Our hope is in Jesus. And so this morning, as we're going through life, no matter how dark things get, no matter how desperate things get, we can always have hope because of Jesus. Because hope is a person and all of scripture and everything points to him and he is the fulfillment of it all. And so our hope has to be in Jesus. But then Peter says, he says, therefore, prepare your mind for action. And as I've navigated life, as I've gone through life, I have come to realize the greatest battlefield is the battlefield of our minds. And our minds can be either our greatest weapon or our greatest weakness, because we can get really screwed up in our minds. We can think some really messed up, messed up stuff in our minds. I was watching a, a show. Um, I'm sure we watched a, a bunch of shows, you know, over the last couple of months. But I was watching this show on on Netflix. I think it was uh, called Alone. Has anybody seen the, the show Alone? It's it's uh, the, the, I've only saw one one season, but it's uh, where they send uh, people out into uh, the wilderness, and they have to they're, they're, they want to see how long people can stay out there alone by themselves. And so the one that I saw was in the Arctic Circle, a really brutal but beautiful territory up uh, in Canada, and where it snows in August. We think we have it rough because it maybe is snowing in December. But it snows in August, and they sent these, these experts, these wildlife experts, these survival experts, and they send them up to the Arctic Circle, and they said, all right, fend for yourselves. And some of them you know, were focused on, on hunting, some were focused on fishing, some were focused on finding like berries and different things like that. And these are very, very skilled people. They have to build huts and, and all of that stuff. And he gets into it, and some people um, 
don't last. Uh, one person got an injury, another person got uh, constipated, and that, that caused a lot of problems. Um, you know, there's just a lot of issues, physical, but many of them, many of them tapped out and couldn't make it because of their minds. They just lost it mentally. One person started to, to think of his family and all of the events that his family was having. And so he made up this, this, this story and just like it went on and went on. And he's like, they're probably sitting at the table right now and they're sharing what happened during their day. And, and who knows if that's what they were doing, but his mind lost it. But then I think about all the stuff that we think about and how we have this battle of our minds. And so Peter is saying, prepare your mind for action. And, and really the picture here is, it, is one in the first century, they would wear robes. They wouldn't wear tighter clothes like we, we have uh, today, but they would wear these robes and it would literally meant like gather up your robe so that you can run, so that you can be active, so that you can go. Because we, as far as of Jesus, following him isn't meant to be this stationary thing. We're called into action. And so they're like, prepare for action, prepare for action by preparing your mind. And this is something that we have to be absolutely active in. We can't just passively sit by and think, okay, Lord, prepare my mind. No, we, no, Peter is saying, no, prepare your minds for action. Uh, Eugene Peterson in the message says this, get your mind in gear. Get it in gear. Get it ready to go. And so how do you prepare your mind? How do you focus on your mind? How do you, you prepare your mind for action? And, and the important thing is like, we have to do this on a daily basis. We have to focus on this regularly, like every single day, prepare our mind for action. And the thing that we have to do is, is first and foremost, we have to remember who we are. Like when we prepare our mind, we have to remember who we belong to and, and what is real. And that's why I even shared that, that passage. We have to remember that, remember that we're in a spiritual battle. Our battle isn't against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers of this dark world. But you know what? We belong to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so we have to remember who we are. Because sometimes the problem is some of us think too highly of ourselves. We think too highly of ourselves, and what happens when we think too highly of ourselves is there's a lot of self-dependence. And we think like, okay, I can go through life, I can live life on my own, I can do whatever. But in scripture it says that God is, is, is exists in high and exalted places, but he's with the lowly and the humble and contrite in spirit. And so one of the things we have to remember who we are, we have to remember that, that we're just, at the end of the day, just humans and that we are utterly dependent on the Lord. But I also think some of us can think too lowly of ourselves and that can cause self-doubt. And we're like, oh, God doesn't have a purpose for me. God doesn't have a plan for me. And we can beat ourselves up. And so that's why we have to engage in this, in this battle of our mind and, and, and focus on it on a regular basis because we have to remember who we are and who we belong to. And I believe the Lord wants to, to, to bring some of those who think too highly of themselves, wants to bring them a little bit lower so that they depend on the Lord, their dependence is in him. And some of those who think a little too low of themselves wants to bring them up so that their confidence is in the Lord. And so how do we do this? How, how do you prepare your mind for action? I think there's a couple things. We have to, frankly, we have to know the word. We have to spend time in the word. Look at, look at uh, Lamentations 3. It's always a hard book to find. Lamentations 3. This is one of my favorite passages. Lamentations 3, verse 21. The writer Jeremiah is uh, it's in the midst of, uh, 
captivity, Babylon had just come in and, and wiped out Israel. And so there's, there's problems all around. There's devastation all around. And Jeremiah can quickly focus on you know, just the problems, but this is what he said. He said this, but this I call to mind. He has a choice there. This I call to mind. I'm making a choice. I'm not focusing on, on the problems in the world. Uh, this is what I call to mind. And therefore, I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. But this I call to mind. His focus isn't on the things that are happening in the world. world. His, his focus is on the faithfulness of God. And so often, we, like, often, like every day, we have to engage and spend time in the word. And we have to remember what God says about us and who he says we are. We have to spend time getting to know this. And this doesn't just happen by accident. You have to, to carve time and say, God, I need to know your truth for my life. Because I'm thinking X, Y, Z. I need to know what you say about me. And I look at that passage that we read in 1 Peter 1, and there are truths throughout that passage. First of all, like Peter talks about that we're children, that we have a father. I mean, think about that. This is something we should meditate on every single day, that you have a father in heaven. I mean, that should transform the way that we live. Even Jesus, the way that he prayed, the way he taught his disciples to pray was revolutionary. Say, so go away and start by saying this, our father who art in heaven. You have a father in heaven. And I know as soon as I talk about fathers, we can have some screwed up thinking about fathers because of our experience with our own fathers. Maybe you had a bad father. But the word says in Matthew 7 that we have a, a good father who gives good gifts to his children, who gives a Holy Spirit to his children. We have a father who is, like we talked about last week, who's rich, abundant in mercy, full of compassion, slow to anger. You belong because you have a father. First Peter says, meditate on that. Think about that. Prepare your mind for action by thinking about that. But also the fact that, that you're valued because you were bought, you were purchased with the blood of Jesus. This passage talks about Jesus, the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world, the perfect spotless sacrifice. Jesus, the one who always existed, came to heaven for us. He entered our mess to fix our mess by his blood that was shed on the cross. And now he's reigning and ruling at the right hand of the Father. And the cool thing is that, that, that we, are, we, are, we belong, that we've been purchased, we've been bought, but that also we can break free from anything in our past. He talks about, in 1 Peter, saying that you've been rescued or ransomed from the feudal ways of your forefathers. I don't know about you, but when I was young, I often thought, like, I don't want to be like my dad or my mom. But then you get old, and then you say something, and you're like, ah, oh, that's exactly what my dad said. And you see that one generation passes you know, from, from one generation to the next to the next. And I'm sure my kids are like, I don't want to be like my dad or mom. And then all of a sudden, you know, 20 years from now, they'll, they'll say something that, I'll, that, that I say. Like things get passed from one generation to the next. The, the problem is sin gets passed from one generation to the next. And so we're born into sin. We're objects of wrath, children of wrath. But the cool thing about the cross is that we can break free from our past. We can break free from the chains that have grabbed onto us all because of the blood of Jesus. And so these are things that we have to meditate on, things that we have to think about, things that we have to engage in like on a regular basis. Like we have to focus there because I can focus in the problems in this world or I can focus on the promises of my Savior Jesus and what he's done for me. 
So we have to know the word. But also, I think this one gets very undervalued, uh, is we have to make sure that we have other people in our lives. People who will point you to Jesus. Hebrews 10 says, says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but meet together and encourage one another on, spur one another on towards love and good deeds. You need people to come alongside of you and encourage you and to spur you on to run this race that, that the Lord has set out before you. There's enough negativity in the world and there's enough people who will say things about you or whatever. You need people who will push you towards Christ and remind you of who you are in Christ. And over the last couple of months, I've been so thankful for people in my life who have reminded me of who I am in Christ. And you know who you are. You've come around me and you said, Dave, this is who you are in Christ. And it's so, so powerful. Because the, the enemy, the thief, wants to accuse night and day. And we can get some negative thoughts in our minds. But, but there's, it's powerful when people come alongside you and say, this is who you are. Keep running. Keep running. My wife says... Um, and it's true, I struggle with uh, self-doubt. I have huge expectations in life. If, if I'm gathering in a room like this and, and the, the walls don't start shaking and there's not an earthquake and a massive pouring out of the Holy Spirit, I'm just like, oh, I've failed. Like something is wrong with me. And so I, I think oh, I, I should have done this or this or this. And so I have huge self-doubt. Cece calls it raging self-doubt. I don't know if I would go that far. But I bring that to light because it's just, it's just one of the struggles that I have. My mind gets going in some weird places. And that's why the Lord has, has created us to be a body where we need one another to come alongside. And I have weaknesses where, where, where people can come with their strengths and, and, and help those weaknesses. And then my strengths can help other people in their area of weaknesses. We need to be a body to come alongside and encourage one another. And that's why everyone is so valuable. And don't ever underestimate the gifts that God has given you because you're needed in the body of Christ. We need people to be the foot. We need people to be the hands. We need people to be the, the appendix that will just, you know, who knows what they do, but they'll maybe just blow up sometime and just kill us all. But, you know, it's, we need one another. I look around and we need one another. I'm just going to pick on Barry because, you know, Barry I've known for 15 years. He's gone through a ton in his life recently. That man has encouraged me so much in my relationship with Jesus to follow the Holy Spirit. I remember one time that I, I totally screwed up in my life and I called Barry on the phone and he said, don't go try and, and fix this. I'm not going to go into those details. He said, keep following the Holy Spirit. Keep going. I need the berries in my life to remind me to keep going. I need to go on and on with people in my life. But the last thing I would say to, to focus our minds is that we need to pour out our hearts regularly to the Lord. Pour out our hearts. Philippians 4 says this. Ellie, I'm so sorry I messed up all the slides. Um, Paul says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. That's when you interact with scripture and be like, yeah, right. <laughs> Don't be anxious about anything. But then he says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Pour out your heart to God. Be real with him. Pour it out to him. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You have such a gift in having a relationship with, with the God of the universe through Jesus Christ that you can go to him and pour out your hearts and your minds. And the truth is that he will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus as you pour it out. Isaiah says this. 
he will keep the person in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him because he trusts in the Lord. And so all of this begins. So often we want to begin with activity. God, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? And in this passage, he says, be holy because I'm holy. Following Jesus starts with being. It starts with, with sitting. In West Michigan, we don't like that, but it starts with sitting and being and remembering who we are in Christ, that we belong to him. And the cool thing is, as we be, all of a sudden that will translate to do, and he'll say, okay, go do this, go do this, go do this. But we become holy by remembering that it's Jesus, it's only his goodness and his blood that makes us holy. And that's what we hold on to. And so the beautiful thing is, we're never alone. You're never alone. God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Don't be afraid, for I am always with you. And so we can sit and be and allow God to fill us with hope as we prepare our mind for action because he wants us to go out into this world and proclaim his goodness to a world that desperately needs it. And so here's what I want to do. We'll sing, we can sing Build My Life. Is that one? Do you have that one? Can you do that one? Let's sing that one. Um, but here's before that. I mean, I, I admitted, you know, I, I've received prayer for this, like just struggling with self-doubt, struggling with my mind. I'm wondering, is there anybody here who would just be honest to say, you know what? I'd love some prayer for my thoughts. Um, if that's you, just, just raise your hand. Let's do this again in light of what Vidal said, like if you're cool with COVID or whatever, just like someone around you, like just kind of put a hand on, on them, if that's fine. But I, raise your hand. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for those who struggle with their thoughts. We're also going to have prayer teams up here if you want some more prayer. Prayer teams over here, prayer teams over there. Um, let's pray. God, you do. You do tell us to prepare our minds for action. And so these brothers and sisters here, God, I, they're, we don't know what, what thoughts um, are, that are going into their minds. You do. And we know, though, that we have an enemy who's an accuser who accuses day and night. But thanks be to God that we have an advocate in Jesus. And so I'm asking you, Jesus, that you would flood their minds with whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's right, whatever's good. That all the things that come from you, God, would flood their minds and their hearts in Jesus Christ. God, that you would just pour out your spirit right now in their lives. That, that all of the negativity, all of those lies from the enemy that would be, would be tr- just radically transformed. That those lies would go and the truths of scripture would come. That they are loved, that they are accepted, that they belong, that they're the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. We just pray and we just command the enemy to go in Jesus' name. And for your peace that surpasses all understanding to fall in their minds in Christ Jesus. just encourage them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship a little bit more. Um, Mike and Jen Gruppen. Where's where's Mike at? Who knows? He's in the hall. He'll be available to here to pray. Marta, do you want to grab somebody to pray? Marta will be somewhere to pray. If you have any sense, uh, we'll sing one-ish song. 
Um, if you have any sense or any word that you want to share with, with us today, that'd be awesome. Just come up and chat with me and we'll see if it fits.